For a growing love of each human person from conception to natural death, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the life of every human person from conception to natural death might be enshrined and protected in our laws, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For a growing love of God's little ones in the womb, in the nursing home, or at death's door, that we might love with the love of Jesus, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. Each day we get the help of a great team of spiritual directors to help you in growing closer to our Lord and His Church and living out the Catholic faith. I'm Patrick Conley. Those prayers that I began the show with today are found on the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, website on pro-life activities. And fervent prayer and pro-life activity and advocacy is still greatly needed. Because the numbers are staggering. There have been an estimated 65 million abortions in the U.S. in the 50 years since the initial Roe v. Wade decision back in 1973. And friends, that translates to an average of 3,500 a day or five abortions every two minutes in our country. And in addition to that, there have been 1,575 legal executions in America and well over 2,000 inmates are currently on death row. Add to that the Gallup statistic that nearly three in four Americans are in favor of voluntary euthanasia. That is, they say a doctor should be allowed to end a terminally ill patient's life by painless means if the patient requests it. Well, in the face of this culture of death, it's no wonder that the magisterium of the Catholic Church has declared that the first right of the human person is his life. This one is fundamental, the condition of all the others. Hence, it must be protected above all others. But how does pro-life living affect your daily spiritual life? Is being pro-life constitutive of growing in relationship with the Lord? How can you join in the efforts of promoting the dignity of every human person from conception to natural death? Being pro-life is our topic today on The Inner Life, and here to guide our discussion is our spiritual director for the day, Father Father Carter Griffin. Father Griffin is the rector of St. John Paul II Seminary in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, Father. Thanks for being with us. You bet. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Well, an important topic today, of course, and we want to uh, we want to get into the the depths of it and kind of plummet as best we can in the hour that's in front of us, specifically as it affects our spiritual life and what it means for us as practicing Catholics and for anyone who seeks to grow closer to the Lord and being pro-life. But let's start with um, maybe a little bit a step back from that as well, because in our in our society today, there's not a lot that would necessarily suggest that pro-life is the way to go. So a lot of this, I think, has to do with conscience, Father. So do you want to talk a little bit about conscience and how we correctly form our conscience in, you know, in union with the Lord? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And I like the way that, um, that you kind of have uh, contextualized, you know, the conversation today, because sometimes, you know, we've been, we've been fighting a, a legal fight for so long. Uh, and I, by we, I just mean people who, who do want to protect the life, especially of the most vulnerable and innocent among us, uh, the child in the womb. And um, so we can instantly go to kind of that kind of advocacy or, or even just prayer and sacrifice. But when we, when we sort of 
scan, when we, when we pull the lens out a little bit and we see the larger picture, of course, we're talking about something that is so, so fundamental. It's not, it's political because it's, first of all, metaphysical. You know, it's something that is in reality. It's stitched into reality. We call, we call the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, you know, and our Lord calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, life is what God gave us. It's the ultimate gift, really, uh, natural life and supernatural life. Um, and yeah. he gives us himself in order to live that life. And so being able to see what we're doing here in, in a much broader context, I think, helps us to understand its relationship precisely what you just said that to our spiritual life, that this is not just a kind of uh, a decision we make as American citizens or something like that. It's something that we do as Christians and as, and as believers. And that does go to the question of conscience, because not everyone has, has a formed conscience in the same way. And so it helps us to understand why somebody may come to a different conclusion about uh, something like abortion, to take that obvious instance. And, yeah. um, and really, conscience is, is a judgment. It's a judgment of reason. It's something that we, we try to recognize the goodness or the badness of an act, right? we, in, in a specific act, not just in general. And what that means is that, and that, that, that judgment of something being right or wrong is what we follow. We, we, we follow our conscience, but we also have to form our conscience, right? And so our, our conscience has to be formed by by our own uh, prayer, and certainly by the scriptures, and by the teachings of the church, and the commandments, and so forth. And we have to recognize that it's not always easy to do that. We can have all kinds of, it's, first of all, it's hard to form our conscience, it's hard to know what we need to know sometimes, but also we can kind of fool ourselves, right? And there's all kinds of influences, our selfishness, our pride, sinfulness, mistakes, you know, where our conscience can be, can be misinformed, and can be, mis, can, can be poorly formed. Um, and so we have this very strong um, obligation to do the best we can to form our conscience according to the lights that God gives us. Hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, I think that again that is a fundamental piece of this. And as I as I said, there's not there's not a lot necessarily uh, in our society in general, especially when it comes to pro life issues. I mean, it, it seems. I mean, I can see some semblance of uh, at least a very secular kind of uh, form of logic in saying that, well, yeah, there is, um, there's, there's uh, perhaps you could say defendable reasons why I would want to be, to have abortion as a legal option for, for not just women, but for couples in society today. Right. Yeah. There could be economic reasons that are given. There could right. be very practical political reasons. There could be, frankly, there could be ethnic and ra- racist reasons, you know, and that, that kind of is yeah. how much of the movement began, a sort of a eugenicist kind of approach. So there's all kinds of reasons that could be good and, you know, sort of seemingly good and seemingly bad. But of course, as, as Catholics, as Christians, we believe that our Lord, uh, that we're stewards, we're not owners of our life, and therefore we have no right to take the life of another um, it, it, uh, to take the uh, to take the right of a to take the life of an innocent, innocent person, um, and and the other issues which we can get to, which would be would be interesting to talk about, maybe the work of a policeman or an, a soldier in battle, or even capital punishment, which has some complications with it. We yep. can get into some of those details, but the fact is that we certainly are not allowed to take innocent life because we're not we don't we're not the owners of life, even our own right. life. Yeah, that's a well. Yeah, that's right, and not even our own life, which I think. Quite frankly, I've said on the program before is probably one of the most scandalous things claims mm-hmm. that we have is that your life isn't yours, you know. Yeah, and, yeah I think exactly. So. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into Catholic moral teaching, which kind of forms the, forms the foundation of our understanding of why we don't have this right to take to take our life or the life of an innocent other. Um, where are what are the foundations of Catholic moral teaching that would seek to inform our consciences in this way, Father? Yeah. 
Well, I think a, a really basic understanding is that we believe that because there is a, a personal creator God uh, who has himself in sort of woven into the fabric of creation his own reason, his own order, that, there is, that things are not just kind of random, um, that there's intelligibility to, to creation. And so we believe that the moral law is not just kind of God you know, woke up one morning and decided that we're going to protect innocent life, and tomorrow he may choose otherwise, right? It's not a, and there's, that's a very ancient <laughs> uh, heresy in the Church. But for what we believe is that there's actually a, a reason to the cosmos. And so we can, there is an eternal law in the mind of God, and from that we have divine law, we have things from the Scriptures. But from that we also have the natural law, these, these ways that we can understand things like, which thou shalt not, <laughs> to, you know, uh, murder, you know, take innocent life. Um, and that, that, that's not just something independent of God, but in fact flows from the order, that eternal law, the order in the universe. And then from that, we also then generate our own human laws, right? And so the first thing is just that there's order. There's a reason for all of this. And um, I think another important uh, another aspect of kind of one of these foundation points is that we cannot ever do bad things that good may come of it, right? That's one of just the foundational axioms, I suppose, of the moral life, um, and, and, and that is a very common sort of mistake, I think, made today. You know, people say, well, yeah, it's bad, but I mean, look at, look at all the bad things that happen if we don't do this, right? And so, yeah, but it's bad in itself. And we can't, others may do bad things, and we certainly hope they don't, but what we, have, we have a responsibility for our own actions, and we can't do evil things. And I think closely related to that, too, is just this idea that um, consequences, you know, are, are the ultimate judge of all morality, which is not what we believe. So, I mean, there are a lot of, there's a consequentialism out there, which is very common. You just basically look at the, the actions and then all the effects, and that's how you choose what to do, which is another way of saying, you know, that you can, that you, that when we reject that, it's another way of saying that you can't do evil, that good may come of it. In other words, the thing itself matters. Our actions themselves matter. I think another foundational thing would be, um, that we can know, not only is there reason, in it, but we can actually know it. And, and by discussion and, and understanding and learning and teaching, like this is, this is not just everyone is not sort of their own isolated silo and they just have to figure this all out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that we can have good rational discussions because it's something that's reasonable. We can all apply our, our minds to this and we can learn. We can learn that somebody who, and this happens all the time, somebody you know, has a has an understanding. They they had a poor understanding about, for example, respect for human life. And after a discussion, you know, they they're able to see, yeah, no, I've I've been I've been inconsistent, and I I wanted to apply it this way because of basically personal personal reasons, not because it was actually right or wrong. And now I see that this is right. So I think being able to discuss that, being able to talk about these things, is really important. Um, yeah, and those I think there's yeah, some anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think that another another thing that might be worth mentioning here too is just a reminder that uh, the the Catholic moral life is really centered around developing uh, the human person into who we are meant to be. Right? I mean, it's not fundamentally like the, here's a list of rules, and you know, God is just waiting for you to screw up you know, in some way, shape or form. And it's, it's, it's not that, but it's, it's, these are guidelines to help us become more and more, well, as scripture itself put it, right. It's formed in the image of Christ and, and to become, to become the people that we are meant to be, to become the humans that God has created us to be as well. Right. I thought it's huge. And, um, I, Maybe I even should have said that right after talking about the order, because it's that is is so fundamental, and I think it's so misunderstood. People will say, "Oh, I, you Catholics, you have so many rules and regulations." And I think, "Well, do you say that to like a pianist? You know, a concert pianist? Do you say that <laughs> to an point. artist? All those, all those art, you know." 
say, yeah, but that's how you create beauty, right? And it's the same thing, the so-called rules and regulations, which are exaggerated too. But <laughs> the fact is that these are the guideposts that keep us flourishing. And you can see demonstrably, you can see someone living joyfully and the moral law is, is living a far more thriving human life than the, the, the anxiety-ridden and fear-ridden life of somebody who is having to make, the, make everything up from scratch. So yeah, that's true that, that, that the moral law is not something confining or suffocating, but it's absolutely something that's, that's liberating and freeing. Yeah, yeah, very good. Our spiritual director today is Father Carter Griffin, the rector of St. John Paul II Seminary in Washington, and we are talking about being pro-life. And the ways, uh, of course, there's there's many things that we can talk about here, uh, Father, but uh, the ways how being pro-life is actually, again, it, it contributes to our flourishing. It contributes to uh, us becoming the people that we are meant to be as we're, as always, seeking to help people along the way, along the path. So, um, yeah. yeah, if you have a way that you have, uh, you've seen pro, being pro-life has really contributed to your own spiritual well-being, if you participate in the pro-life movement in a specific way, maybe there's a, a prayer or two that you say every day to end abortion. You Maybe you pray with us here in Relevant Radio. You pray memorarias for the end of abortion. Um, yeah, maybe there's something that you'd like to share that way. Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149 is our phone number here in the Inner Life. 888-914-9149. Or you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Now, Father, I believe I've heard you use the term moral issues bookshelf before. Um, so can you talk a little bit about maybe what that means and how it relates to being pro-life? Well, you know, I mean, I, I think it's... um. So uh, the, I, I, that actually might be referring to someone else, but I think the, the idea of the Moral Issues book, Bookshelf is as actually something that is, um, it relates to kind of how we see this within the context of other, of other books on the bookshelf, right? I mean, that, that, that this is not just one issue among many. This is, or rather, this is one issue among many, but we have to understand where it fits in. And I think there can be a mistake um, of some who want to sort of make all of these issues kind of identical and, and kind of of equal import. And yeah. I think there does need to be some distinctions that are made in there. But I think that's one that's one way of understanding it anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, I mean, just to, to explore that a little bit further, I mean, um, as I said in the open, that this, this right to life, um, that is really the foundational, our, our bishops have told us that, that's the foundational right that we, we need to be attentive to, which doesn't mean that all the other rights are inconsequential, certainly, but um, what is it that's so fundamental? I mean, maybe it's just a, maybe it's an obvious question, Father, but what is it that's so fundamental specifically about the right to life? I, th- I think that one of the one of the reasons why it's so fundamental is, it, yeah, I mean, in some ways, like you said, it's kind of obvious like, because we all we all have life and we have to protect that life. But because in some ways, uh, going back to as I said earlier, like uh, life is what God came to bring, right? That there's something so fundamental in our faith about us being given the breath of life, Adam and Eve, and all the way down, and that that life is not just a reproduct a reproduction as an reproduction, but is actually a procreated life, right? The human life is distinct from all other uh, material forms because it is informed by a rational and immortal soul. And so what, when we're talking about, we're, we're, talk, we're, we're handling divine things here, right? It's not just kind of a question of, of, of sort of, you know, dealing, dealing with, with, with mere objects or substances. We're talking about something that comes directly from the breath of God um, when you're talking about a human being. And to have that reverence 
you know, sort of standing on holy ground approach to human beings. Uh, and the opposite of that is destroying that and, 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 and taking away that, that gift of life that, that God has given them. So I think that's one reason why it's so fundamental and, and why abortion itself, uh, as, as painful as the issue is and as difficult as it is, and knowing that there are so many complications and reasons why, why women might choose this, you know, and, and being able to walk with them, accompany them. I know we're going to talk about all that at some point. Yeah. But, but still to see that this is, that this is like robbing the life from the, even from the, before the child is born. I mean, it's a, it's a particularly important one to address. There are others clearly that also involve, um, abortions and, 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 you know, whether it's contraception and abortifacients and things like that. But there are also other ways that, for example, the physician assisted suicide that, that has to be that youth, you know, which is effectively euthanasia, self-induced youth, self, you know, induced euthanasia, right. which we have to be, which is, which is, I think, sort of tantamount to the same thing. I mean, it needs to be put on par with it. I mean, I think it's a very, 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 and as you said, two thirds of people in some places are in agreement with that. So we have a lot of work to do still to kind of build up this culture of life as opposed to what John Paul II called the culture of death. Right, right, absolutely. Again, our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, and we're talking about being pro-life and the many ways that you can serve the pro-life movement. Uh, maybe you participate in a particular way with the pro-life movement. I'm sure you, you do in some way, shape, or form. Uh, do you pray for an end to abortion? Do you join us here at Relevant Radio in our memorarias to, to end abortion? Have you experienced, perhaps you, you have experienced healing after an abortion, or you work specifically to um, to help the poor or to, to help those who are... Yeah, facing the end of life. How do you get involved in the pro-life movement? We'd love to hear from you. Or if you have questions about how to get involved, 888-914-9149 is our phone number here in the Inner Life, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our first break, but we've got lots more coming up on the show as we will, yeah, we'll continue with this discussion on being pro-life, an important discussion with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, when the Inner Life returns right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio, RelevantRadio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for joining us for this hour of spiritual director direction with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. We're talking today about being pro-life and what that means and all that it can mean and how you can be, you can express your Catholic faith and grow in your Catholic faith, actually, through participating in pro-life activities. Well, Father, um, I do want to spend, of course, some time, as as you said, talking about this important issue of, of abortion, because um, it is so prevalent in our society and has claimed so many lives. Um, and specifically, maybe you can lead us into some of the ways of just considering, because we talked we talked already about why it's it's uh, yeah why why we believe these things as Catholics, but how how and why should we get involved in pro life activities, specifically um, opposing abortion? Sure. Yeah. And as you said, I think we, we've kind of gone through some of the why already and, and the how. I think it begins, it begins as, as all things have to begin, and it's not a throwaway. It's, it's actually real with prayer and sacrifice. We, have to, we can all do that no matter our circumstances, no matter our, our vocation. Um, we can be praying for an end to abortion and, and for respect for, and, a, and a renewal of respect for life uh, in all its forms, from 
conception to natural death, um, we can make a small sacrifice every day uh, for the protection of life and for the conversion of hearts. Um, and that can be that can be private. It can also be in a in a more public setting. Sometimes, you know, this is this is maybe the next level um, where someone can can go to maybe with another with a group uh, or a couple of people to pray the rosary in front of a in front of a uh, an abortion clinic. You know, the seminarians here. I I, I work at a seminary and seminarians will go a couple times a week and uh, I'll try to join them sometimes. And it's, it's challenging, but it's also very beautiful. Um, sometimes people say nasty things to you, but <laughs> it's, it's not bad for us either to have that sometimes, you know, sure. to, uh, yeah. to, to have a little bit of embarrassment or, or whatever on behalf of the Lord. So those, certainly those are some things. I, I think on a, to just pan out a little bit, anything we can do to build a culture of challenge, frankly, and charity of love, um, I think are, are really important, right? That's kind of the broadest sense, because abortion, you know, it doesn't begin with abortion. It begins with a lack of chastity. And um, in, what are, in most circumstances, right, where people who are not married or people who are not capable or, or do not desire a child or sort of the un, un, quote-unquote unwanted child. And so we have to spread that kind of the culture of chastity, but also charity of a genuinely love for each other. Um, we live in kind of a tough steel industrial world, you know, and then it's, it's easy to kind of look at other people as just objects. And the more that we can foster in, in ourselves and our neighbor love for others, as well as mercy, mercy, you know, divine mercy when we, when we fail. So those are kind of immediate things. I think contributing uh, with time uh, or financially to the pro-life clinics and not just those that are helping women in kind of pr- crisis pregnancies, certainly that, um, or, you know, opposing the work of abortion clinics, but also those that are assisting women after, after a difficult birth, after a birth in which the, maybe the father has, has walked out or rejected or not, not, not involved in the, in the woman's life, um, able to help with all kinds of financial resources and, and physical resources, training for new mothers and things like that. I think legal advoca- advocacy can be another one, right? And, and that, this can be just as simple as just voting, right? And, and knowing that our vote for candidates that will, that will do their best to protect life is, is an important, maybe the most important part of our vote. Um, but also writing letters, rallies, contributing that, that kind of stuff on the legal side and the advocacy side. Um, so I think those are some ways, and there are, there are many other ways, but those are kind of some immediate thoughts that, that come to mind. Women, especially who have had abortions, can often <clears throat> be very powerful witnesses, you know, in helping to encourage other young women not to make the same mistake. Um, Project Rachel is something we can talk about. And so, yeah, yeah there's lots of, lots of opportunities. Yeah, uh, we will get into that. But let's take a phone call now, Father. Heather is calling in from Austin, Texas. Heather, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to call and just uh, say that I think there's a lot of great ways, uh, just as Father just explained, us getting involved. And, and you don't have to do all of it, you know, if you find one niche where you, you can really use your gifts and uh, talents to serve. I think it's wonderful. Um, I've been blessed to be a part of the pro-life movement in many ways, primarily through sidewalk ministry, uh, 40 Days for Life. I was I was in Bryan College Station when the first 40 Days for Life was uh, started, and uh, here in Austin, we're blessed to have the Central Texas Coalition for Life that does sidewalk ministry and community outreach, and I think a big part of it, no matter which way you're involved, no matter which piece of the pro-life pie involved in, is, is always educating yourself because if you are constantly caught in, I don't know how to defend my stance, um, that's, that's not helping the culture. And so we should always be ready, just like Scripture tells us, to be ready to give an answer for the reason for our faith. And that, that reasoning for the 
being pro-life is one of those things. So um, I encourage people to educate themselves with apologetics. There's a lot of great uh, online resources out there that are free. And I I find that um, if you start getting into kind of feeling trapped where people say, well, you're not pro-life because X, Y, Z, no one does that with any other issue. No one goes to the American Lung Association and say, well, how dare you? deal with this type of cancer? What are you doing about breast cancer? What are you doing about this? Like nobody does that. They do that to pro-life people because they don't like the fact that you're, you have this stance on abortion and they have their own issues with abortion and they can't rightfully defend abortion. And so they have to try to turn it around on you and make you look bad and make you feel like you're not doing enough. So for anybody who thinks that, I just want to say, um, any way that you are serving, that you're calling to serve, that is great and that's beautiful. And we should always be trying to to build a culture of life. Ooh, and one more comment. Sorry, I know I'm talking a lot. Father just said something very important. So well recently that this is abortion is not the root of the problem. It goes further back than that. And now that the um, Roe versus Wade has been overturned and the issues at the state level legally for the supply of abortion, we can't be pro-life and be pro-contraception and pro-promiscuity and sex outside of marriage, you can't build a culture of life on the foundation of the sexual revolution. So we really need to do our parts um, to be whole life, pro-life and, yeah. and build that culture of life. Yeah, yeah, that was that was excellent, Heather. Thank you, Patrick. I think you have the wrong person uh, doing the podcast today. <laughs> Heather, that, was, that, was, that was a great uh, Great witness. Um, and one thing I just, two things I just want to pick up on. One is absolutely that, you know, that, that when I was talking about some of those things to do, it's really important, just as Heather said, to recognize that, I mean, nobody does, nobody does all of that. And most don't do any more than one or two, you know, and even just praying and sacrifices. I mean, that's, that's, that's the foundation of, of the whole thing. And maybe there's one other aspect that you can, with your own gifts, your own time, your own availability, you know, just, just to, to know that sometimes uh, I was get the expression wrong. I think the perfect is the enemy of the good, or maybe it's vice versa, but just because you can't do it, just because you can't do everything doesn't mean you don't do something, you know, and, and to have some way that you can. The other thing I just want to pick up on is uh, Heather mentioned the, the 40 days for life, which is, there's a, it's, there's a, there's a website, 40daysforlife.com. It's a great, because I think a lot of times people might think, well, I wouldn't mind praying a rosary in front of an abortion clinic, but I don't want to just go there all alone randomly, just walk up and start doing, you know, the, you want to be with some other people, especially when you're starting out. And, um, and, and there are certain things that you need to know, like where you can stand and, you know, all these kinds of things, what you can, what you shouldn't say, all that. So to, to, be, to get involved in something larger and then 40 days for life is an ideal way to do that. Cause you can just jump on, you can find one near you, you can join them um, and, and be a part of, and, and maybe make some friends and, and, and have some support from other people who, who, who also believe in the sanctity of life. So those are two excellent among the other points that Heather just made. That's, that's so true. And uh, th- Heather, thanks for the call. appreciate that. Great suggestions and great thoughts from you. Um, and, and I think that that's one of the things that uh, it could be, a lot of Catholics could feel that way, even in the midst of, you know, there's, there's a good number of Catholics in the in the U.S. and in the world today, certainly. But um, but you can still the the cultural tide being what it was, you can still feel like you're you're kind of alone. You're battling it by yourself, right? But so um, I think there is an importance to the community aspect of this as well. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think you. I think we. It really is something that requires. Um, I mean, it's the the church is doing it certainly as a corporate as a corporate body, but individuals too, just at a local level, need to find others to to, to be involved with. And and usually a local parish can can help with that. As I say, forty days for life. There may be other pro life groups out there. It's also kind of a beautiful ecumenical effort. Often, you know, yeah. there are other Christians that 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 are maybe don't share the fullness of the faith with us, but are but have a beautiful love for the Lord and for and for life, and, and sometimes that can be, there could be some great friendships built up there, and also, you know, frankly, apostolate. You know, oftentimes those, those are some of the, they become Catholics and become some of the strongest Catholics. So. Mm-hmm. If you have a way that you participate in the pro-life movement, or if you have a specific prayers that you pray, maybe each day to end abortion, give us a call, let us know what that is, and encourage and inspire others to get involved as well. 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Again, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about how how best to get involved. Maybe you have a question about how to, yeah, to, uh, to screw up the courage in your life so that you can get involved. 888-914-9149 is our phone number here at The Inner Life. Give us a call and we'd love to get you on the air. Well, sir, as we continue along this line of specifically considering um, in terms of being pro-life, uh, specifically the evils of abortion, Father, then um, I think uh, another thing to ask would just be in and around that, um, you know, a lot of times... I think there's this tendency, uh, a human tendency, I'm meaning, that uh, we can start to at least be tempted down the road of of vilifying those who think differently than us, perhaps mm-hmm. those who, um, you know, contribute to abortion in one way or another, whether they're a provider or there's someone who's had an abortion, that sort of thing. But this, too, is not our call. Um, it is to love as Christ loved, right? So any suggestions about how we can refrain from vilifying those who think differently from us on this issue? Sure. I mean, I think one one thing is just to, 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 to have the heart of Jesus, right? I mean, he certainly yeah. was. He came to die uh, and to redeem all men and women, and, and, and he loved them, whoever it is that we're looking at, with those eyes of, of vilification or, or condemnation or scorn or uh, you know, we're 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 not looking at them with the eyes of of, of Jesus, and so asking Him to give us a heart like His um, is, I think, the first and most important thing. Because, you know, people may be mistaken, they may they may be confused, or they may be fearful. Um, there may be all kinds of things that that maybe diminish their culpability for even very egregious moral immoral actions. Whereas our, you know, vilification of them or scorn of them may be per- very pure and, and in some ways even more sinful, you know, so it's just impossible. We cannot know our own heart, let alone the heart of another. So I think the first thing is having a real modesty and a real humility about that and, and a profound charity, a profound love uh, for others. I, I think another thing to do is, you know, when we, when we may be tempted to go in that direction is to realize that there is an entire um, to, to use the term again, culture of death. There's a there's a whole web and an ideological web that people have often been nurtured in from literally from from ch- from childhood, from when they yeah. didn't even know they know, and then they've been raised in this environment where this has been kind of fed into them and, and woven into their DNA almost. And to imagine that life when maybe we've been blessed not to have have been raised that way or to have been preserved in some way or another. But who are we to say about those who have been? You know, and I think there are many that are responsible. There are many. There, there. Frankly, there are many men are far more responsible for that than than women. You know, historically, and and so even if it's the woman who ultimately decides to have the abortion, she may be uh, almost as much a victim as her child is. You know, and so it's just very hard to say. 
you know, right. and to make those kind of, those kind of judgments. And I think we want to really pray for the for the grace to have a merciful heart. And let's be very clear here, Father, too. Just like you were saying, to to carry on right from that, uh, being pro life also means seeking, uh, yeah, seeking the best for those mothers who have had abortions and who Definitely. are now in the midst of dealing with that. So maybe this is a good time to talk a little bit about, say, Project Rachel and some of the other uh, resources that are, that are available out there that we could support to help bring healing to those who have who have had abortions. Sure. Yeah. You know, and a lot of women, even women who may not be very religious or may have always been pro-choice or whatever, uh, will experience uh, a lot of pain, a lot of regret, not all the time, but very often, whether it's, you know, a week or two or a couple of years later, decades later, sometimes. Um, and and they're kind of conflicted because, you know, their ideology or their, their beliefs say that they're not supposed to feel guilty about this. Society is turning, telling them they shouldn't feel bad about this and that the abortion would solve all the problems, but their body and their emotions and even, uh, their, psych- their, even their, 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 their minds are telling them something very different. And so the first thing is for women to know that it is perfectly normal and natural and, and, and healthy to grieve, right? And to, to, and to admit the mistake, right? To say that this was something that I, I shouldn't have done. And, and that, that when the, once that becomes something that they allow themselves to feel, then they need to be able to take it somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and therapy may be a part of that. And that's usually going to be the first instinct. And, and there can be, there can be certainly help with that. But ultimately what that pain needs is forgiveness. It needs mercy. And that's exactly what the church exists for. That's exactly what our Lord came for. And so being able to acknowledge what, what, what she's done is the start of healing and then being able to know God's mercy, which is literally boundless, right? And, and the, the temptation to think that our sins are bigger than God's mercy is one of, the, one, of the, one of the greatest deceptions that the evil one tries to sow in our hearts, right? Nothing is bigger than God's mercy. Um, and there, there's, there's a, a wonderful team of, of people, um, something called Project Rachel that you're just saying. It's uh, hopeafterabortion.com is the website, hopeafterabortion.com. And, and they, can, they can put you in touch with somebody to speak to. Um, and, and it's going to be a far, I think, richer and maybe more helpful conversation than simply talking about this with a, a secular counselor. So I think to, to give permission to oneself and then to take that pain somewhere where it can actually be, where it can actually be um, absolved, you know, and it can actually be dealt with in a, in a way that's more fundamental than simply learning more about it. So that's where I think, I think women, you know, the mistake is to be able to try to say, well, it's okay. You didn't know what you were doing or everything. I think we have to acknowledge that there is like somebody needs to be able to say, yes, I, I shouldn't have done that. It's true. I was terrified and my boyfriend left me and this, that, and the other thing. And all that is true, but still I made this choice and God wants to forgive me. Like that's yeah. the most important thing I think they have to get to. Yeah. So, so rich, so beautiful. And again, hopeafterabortion.com. We'll link that in the show notes for this show as well. So people can find that in case there's a, yeah, if people want to reach out because wonderful work that they're doing there. And maybe just a quick word before we have to take a break here, Father, but um, quick word on uh, there's healing that's involved for men who are involved with an abortion as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and Project Rachel can help there too, but I think the more, more important thing there is just for men to know that that too is very natural. I mean, there's a feeling of helplessness sometimes that a man experiences and you know, the incapacity to protect his child, um, obviously regret very often if he was involved in the choice to have the, have the, the abortion, Some, sometimes anger at different people, maybe the, the mother, maybe the doctor, maybe the whatever, and just the loss, you know, and the grief. And, 
And men have lost a baby, too. And, you know, as they say, in, a, in an abortion, everybody is wounded, right? Everybody. Obviously the child, obviously the mother, also the father, and all of the people around them, the parents and the, and the friends and the doctors. And so to see this, a, a, a tremendous amount of, of pain entering the world through that, and it's up to us really to, be, to, to start to offset that with our love, with, our, with the mercy of God, um, and with our, our concern for, for especially those principal actors in it. Yeah, very good. We're talking about being pro-life here on The Inner Life and with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, and um, the many ways in which being pro-life, the many aspects that can be involved in that. If you have a specific way that you're involved in being pro-life, maybe that is uh, countering abortion in some way or another, but um, working against abortion. But maybe there's other things, too. Maybe you're working against euthanasia. Maybe you are um, yeah, trying to work hard to bring the, the culture of life to bear on this culture of death in which we find ourselves. Uh, please do give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. we got some calls to take, but uh, we're going to take a break first, and then we'll come back to some phone calls. So right here on The Inner Life, stay with us as we've got more with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, on Being Pro-Life right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Thomas Angusser, who's producing the show today for us, and Sarah Tafoya taking your phone calls, and to our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, who is leading us through a discussion on being pro-life and how that is actually really contributes to our your spiritual life, to our following after the Lord Jesus and uh yeah, making sure that we are valuing and respecting the gift that God has given us in creating each human person in his likeness and image. Let's take some phone calls now. Kathy calling in from South Bend, Indiana. Kathy, welcome to the program. Carter, greetings to you both. Um, I wanted that about 50 years ago when I was in, I had an abortion um, I was Lutheran at the time and am recently, within the last three years, become Catholic. And, of course, I had to give my first confession before receiving the Eucharist. And that was the biggest and most difficult thing to confess, was that I had had an abortion. Um, I have lived with that all these years and still have some sorrow about that after the fact, having even known that I've been forgiven. Um, since that time, I have become involved with the local women's care center, which supports women who are pregnant and have questions and so forth. So, and then the biggest thing I did that I feel is like, this is, this is what I was meant to want to do is I had been to a, a, a talk at our parish. Um, a gentleman came in and talked about the abortion process and how to answer people's questions about it in light of being a Catholic and I absorbed that information, and one night playing cards with five Lutheran friends of mine, we talked about this abortion issue and the, um, the recent vote um, that was pro-life. And um, I was able to answer some questions and actually convert one older gentleman who thought abortion was okay. I heard later that that Sunday he told another friend of mine who we were playing cards with, you know what? Kathy changed my mind about, I don't think abortion's okay anymore. 
So I, <laughs> I just had to share that when I was listening to the stories and your information today. So that's, that's my story. That's great. Thanks so much, Kathy. That's, um, yeah, the, uh, it, you know, learning about the issues does make a difference and, and learning, I mean, we're, we're, we're rational creatures. And so it's true. It's not, it's not just a question of kind of book learning for sure. And, and oftentimes people need, first of all, to be converted with love and friendship, you know, and then there maybe their minds will be open to having a deeper conversation about the issues. But nonetheless, we do need to educate ourselves and be able to have those conversations like the kinds that you are having over cards. And, and the grace of God may follow our words. Um, you know, it's like John the Baptist going before, Father, preparing the way for the Lord, and our words can do that, and, and the grace of God can come in and, and change hearts. So I think that's, a, that's a cer- certainly an important uh, lesson from what, what you've just said. I would also say that, you know, you made it a great point, which is when we are forgiven of our sins, that doesn't mean that we no longer have sorrow for our sins, right? And, and now, granted, that can be disproportionate. We can sort of feel like we're, or, or even think that we're not forgiven, and sometimes it can become some scrupulosity where people go back over and over again to confess the same sin. That's not certainly what I'm talking about. But, but to have sorrow for having committed sin, well, that can be a good and holy and noble sorrow, right? It, uh, it needs to be kept within bounds because it needs to be also combined with the joy and the relief of being forgiven. Um, but the sorrow is very real, and and that, especially when that sorrow leads us to repentance and actually to change our, our lives, as has happened with you, um, not just becoming Catholic, but also now getting involved in helping maybe other women, uh, answering other questions, and, and help, maybe helping women not make the same decisions that you had made at one point 50 years ago. So I think that that's a, that's a really important point that, that, that you've made. Um, so I appreciate your phone call. Kathy, thank you so much for being vulnerable on the air with us and sharing your story. And I'm sure that that story has, as you said, and will continue to change hearts and minds when it comes to specifically the topic of abortion. So thank you. Thank you for calling in, Kathy. Really appreciate that. And maybe one just follow-up question, Father, too. I mean, she, Kathy brought this up, but, uh, you know, we're on the cusp of a holiday weekend here. We're probably going to hang be hanging out with family and friends. Any other suggestions you might have, Father, and how to talk about this in kind of a rational, calm way with our family and friends? Yeah, thanks. Um, I think it's a great and a really important question. Um, I mean, the first thing I would just say is uh, try to assume the best about people and not the worst, right? It doesn't mean that we uh, agree with them, but it, we can assume good intentions. I think when we start with assuming bad intentions and malice and or stupidity or or evil, you know, I mean, we're just there's no point in having a conversation at that point. Uh, they may some who knows they may make those assumptions about us. That's their business, you know. But we can assume. I think another thing is I find what I find very helpful is let's rather than address kind of the the this, the burning white hot issue right right off the bat. Let's talk about maybe, let's see what some of our assumptions are, maybe our worldview, how we see, as you started this podcast, you know, like, why do we, why, why are we pro-life? What's underneath that? And maybe someone will have a reason why they're pro-choice and their view of the, of the human person and their view of life. And, and, and maybe the conversation can become sometimes more about that than about, than some of the logical kind of consequences of that. Um, being pro-life is just flows from what we believe about life and about God and about reality and um, so I think that's really good, like getting underneath um, the, the assumptions. I think also reading something and talking about it can be really helpful, and maybe even swapping, like I'll, I'll read an article you send me, and you read an article that I send you, and then you're talking about something kind of outside of yourself, and it's not just this kind of back and forth that can become very personal um, very quickly. And I think for for Catholics and for Christians, we have to always, always, always talk about God's mercy 
at, while we're talking about the truth of um, the commandments and including the commandment to, to protect life. And because I think a lot of times there may be there may be personal reasons why people get so vehement in some of these discussions, and we have to be sensitive to that. They may be they or a friend of theirs or who knows, you know. And so um, I think those are kind of maybe some points. And you know, sometimes you can even start with a prayer. I mean, if you're talking to a Christian or it's a Christian. Get gathering, you know, maybe let's start with a prayer and ask for insight. You know, it can be yeah. a beautiful way to start a conversation. Great point, Father. Thank you for that. Let's go back to the phones. Mike calling in from Texas. Mike, welcome to the Inner Life. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to tell a, a story. I'll try to keep it very short. Um, our first son, my wife was pregnant with our first son in, in 1982, July, and uh, she was in, he was in fetal distress. Okay, she's in a labor room, and they hooked him up to heartbeat monitor, and the heartbeat just kept getting slower and slower. The nurse came in. She ran out, got the doctor, uh, emergency C-section. The cord was wrapped around his neck, and it was strangling him. And that just seared, was seared in my memory. Well, I was a member of a pro-life group, a few ladies from a lady of Victory Church, and we were in the little room trying to decide what can we do uh, in the pro-life movement. Well, I knew a, I knew a guy that owned a radio station. He was a Marian devotee, very good man, Joe Tibliti. And we said, why don't we put on a radio spot and uh, a, a, with a pro-life message? I said, well, I, I was in the uh, labor and delivery room. I could hear my son's heartbeat, and it just kept, kept getting slower and slower. I said, why don't we put a heartbeat on the radio, and all of a sudden it stops, and then there will be a pregnant pause, pun intended, and then an announcer will come on and say, abortion, it stops the beating heart. This was in August of 1982, Mm -hmm. and we did it. Every hour they put a heartbeat on there. It wasn't much like a fetal heartbeat because it was just too slow for that. A fetal heart rate is very fast. But anyway, we did it, and the heartbeat stops. There's a pause, and an announcer comes on and says, abortion, it stops a beating heart. Hmm. And we played that for a few months every hour on his radio station. And next thing we knew, there were bumper stickers popping up here and there. Abortion, it stops a beating heart. It spread across from Victoria, Texas, Our Lady of Victory, that little room, all the way across Texas, all the way across the nation, and almost 40 years to the day, there is a law passed in uh, the Texas legislature, the abortion, uh, what's they call the fetal heart rate law, heartbeat yeah. law. Yeah. So I, I just want to share that with you. I've, I've been kind of dying to Every time I see my son talk to him, I think of that. He was instrumental in in starting the movement, the, the fetal heartbeat movement. Anyway. Yeah. I just want to share that with you. I'm, I'm glad to be able to tell somebody about that. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's, uh, it reminds me of, of the same reason why the Knights of Columbus and others have been so um, so strong on pushing uh, the ultrasound monitors, you know, because there's something, when you hear that heartbeat, there's something that, that connects. Uh, I mean, it, it, they say if you have a heart, when you're standing next to somebody, the heartbeats will start to kind of start to align. You know, there's something very, very deeply, almost preternatural about the heartbeat. And I think it's something that can can remind us that this is these are not we're not talking about theoretical, you know, things. I mean, these are these are actual human beings. Um, and to kind of acknowledge that and to show that in a very palpable, <laughs> again, pun intended, uh, mm-hmm. in a very nice. very real way, you know, that that's um, 
and and that I think can be can do more for bringing people around to understanding what what's at stake here than almost anything else than almost any other discussion. It's a very important point, and uh, thank you, Mike, so much. And I love the creativity with that, and and that that's another thing to pay attention to. As again, being pro life and and stepping out for pro life causes are is a great way of actually bolstering our own relationship with the Lord because it it, it deepens our dignity, our, our understanding of the dignity of the each human person. And I love the creativity that, uh, you know, the Lord, well, you know, with Kathy's call and her experiences, Mike and his experience, that they're just, people are bringing their own experiences. So maybe that's a good place to start as well. What experiences have I had that would really contribute to this as well? Well, Father, um, we only have a couple minutes remaining, and I'm sorry because we have emails and calls waiting, and uh, this is obviously such an important issue. And, uh, of course, you know, we cover this on Relevant Radio all the time. I know Patrick talks about it regularly, Patrick Madrid, that is. Uh, Timory talks about it regularly. Drew talks about it regularly. But... um, but it's an important piece of our own spiritual life as well. I think one of the things I wanted to end with, um, certainly, Father, is when it comes to dealing with a, not just abortion, but you know, the whole of the pro-life realm, is um, is there is there are there specific ways in which we can continue to? Um, well, I, I suppose we can look upon our own experiences, uh, like Mike, like Kathy and uh, bring those to bear on the pro-life movement. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and, and those are po- powerful, st- beautiful stories that, they, that yeah. they've brought up, but it may be something much humbler and more modest, you know, the, our, our own appreciation for, for somebody that has loved us and cared for us, you know, our, our, our appreciation for something in our own life. Maybe we've gone through a very dark period and have come out of it with a much deeper gratitude for our own life. Um, I think oftentimes the motivation for for being uh, intentionally pro-life is, is simply the faith that has given us um, our natural, but also our, our supernatural life, right? That, that, that we, we recognize, as I was saying earlier, that we're destined and we're called to beatitude for all eternity. And once you kind of grasp that, you know, the, the dignity and the, and the awesomeness of every human being, um, you know, I think C.S. Lewis said somewhere that if we, if, you know, we, we, we'd be tempted to kneel down at the feet of every mortal, right, every, of every human being. He said, you've never met uh, a mortal human being, because uh, we're all immortal, right? And so that sense of kind of the, the gravity of what we're dealing with here will also help uh, kind of fuel and, and nurture our own desire to protect human life. And, and at the same time, recognizing that we're not the Messiah, right, that, that the Lord is in charge and he knows what he's about, and we do what we can without becoming kind of, you know, we, we, we do what we can. And, and, and we do so with joy and we do so with, with peace. Uh, we don't give in to kind of fanaticism or freneticism. Um, we know that there are injustices in the world and that at the end of the day, those are for God to, to, to sort out as he wills. Um, but we've been given a charge to do, and that charge is in part to protect especially the most vulnerable among us. Yeah, wherever the dignity of human life is threatened, then we yeah. should find Catholics who are standing up against that, right? Well, Father, it's been great conversation. Again, uh, there's more and more we didn't even get into the other issues that we talked about, but uh, we'll have to have you back on and talk about those issues as well. But for the uh, for the moment, anyway, could you leave us with your blessing, please? 
Of course, Patrick. Always enjoy being with you. May the blessing of Almighty God descend upon you and all of our listeners and their families and loved ones, and especially those who are struggling right now with the decision to have an abortion, that God may give them grace and wisdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, important topic with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. If you missed any portion of the show or would like to share it with others, you can always go back and find us on relevantradio.com slash inner life. Hey, we got a long weekend coming up here, so on Tuesday, I hope you can join us again when we're going to be with Father Sam Martin talking about miracles. That should be a very interesting show. I hope you can join us for that. Coming up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Until Tuesday, have a great weekend and grace and peace.